following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. If you would, open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, chapter 15 is where we're going to be at in just a second. Experience is a great teacher, amen? <clears throat> amen. Experience is a great teacher. Uh, some of us who are a little younger, we, we want to say that we agree with that, but we ultimately don't know that because we're still experiencing Uh, A salesman was showing a doll to a father at Christmas, and he explained, this one really reminds you of little girls. When you lay her down, she closes her eyes, and she goes to to sleep. The guy's a little bit skeptical, and he looks at the guy's face, and the father responds, I gather you've never had any little girls. How many of you, amen to that one, huh? My daughter does not go to bed very easily, (laughs) and experience is a good teacher because we always look over and the lights on and we're like, oh, Kareen's up again. What are we going to do? And you never know what you're going to get when you open up that door. There's always a new experience. Experience teaches us uh, what we can't learn any other way. Bethany and I were having this conversation just the other day. I, I don't think you can fully grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ unless you are actively asking and sharing your faith. I don't think it's possible. I think that's why you have people in your life and that's why God grants us relationships is he wants to show us uh, more and more about himself the more you talk to other people. Uh, We have to thank God that he is full of that mercy and he's full of grace and he teaches us how to share our faith, uh, our faith even when we make mistakes. Even when, we, even when we fail, even when we trip up, even when we forget some things, even when uh, we don't have it all together or we maybe think we said the wrong thing, God says, I want to teach you in that moment. We take our opportunities to share our faith because it teaches us how to avoid those mistakes. But also, uh, on the other hand, when we learn uh, from those experiences, we have more, for lack of a better word, ammunition the next time around. Uh, There's a few mistakes, though, this morning that we can avoid before we hit the ground running. So I got six. uh, I believe there's six here. Let me I counted five earlier, but there may be. Yes, six, Uh, six common mistakes in sharing your faith. You guys all do this. I do this. And so um, we got to work quickly today. Open up your Bibles to the book of First Corinthians. You should already be there. Uh, But look at First Corinthians, chapter 15, uh, verse three. We'll start there and we'll just kind of. Uh, roll a little bit. Okay. First Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse three says this, it says, if I give away all that I have, and if I have, if I deliver, excuse me, up my body to be burned, but I have not love, what do I gain? Nothing, right? If I give it all up, but I didn't love, I gain nothing. First Corinthians chapter 15, go to verse four. Love is patient, Am I wrong? 15? I'm in 13? My bad, my bad, my bad. Man, started off a good amount. Before I deliver to you, there we go. As first importance, that was 1 Corinthians uh, 13. Glad you needed to hear that this morning, I guess. Uh, 15, verse 3 says, For I delivered for you, that makes totally more sense, as first importance what I also received, that Christ did what? What did he do? He died. According to what? Our sins, okay? 
and also in accordance with the scriptures, that's the Bible that you have in your hand, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Uh, Verse five continues that. You can read that a little bit later, but that is a clear delivery, a clear explanation of the what? The gospel. That's exactly what he says. This This is a very clear understanding of the gospel. He's making it clear to the people who are reading the letter. And that's the first thing that we forget when we deliver the gospel to other people is that clarity, write this down. Number one, clarity is always, it always will be. It always has been. It's going to continue to be king. Let me fix this real quick. The one thing missing every time we share our faith is a clear presentation of the gospel. Now, we bury ourselves in this mess, okay? Um, When we share our faith, we have to be clear on what the gospel is. What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us, I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures. There's bad news. You sinned. You missed the mark, the standard that God set for our lives. Therefore, you deserve to die. But Christ came as a propitiation, as a proper sacrifice for our sin. And if we believe in him in faith, we can be saved from ourselves. We can have a relationship with Jesus Christ that lasts forever. Okay? So when we look at this, we realize, uh, man, this thing is not staying on my face. You're annoying right now. Okay, good. Jeez, stop. Dear Jesus, make Satan stop messing with my microphone. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, He says, man, it's frustrating. He says that we have oftentimes, okay, and Paul would say this, and I think Timothy would say this, and Paul would say this. There's many may have heard this terminology that we use in the church world, like trusting Christ or coming to know the Lord, but few have had the gospel explained to them with clarity. Follow me on this church because we're missing people. The people who I've talked to do not understand the gospel because we use churchology with them all the time and they don't know. They don't understand. They don't get it. And this stuff is not in the Bible. Coming to know the Lord, trusting Christ, all this other stuff, it's not in there. The gospel is simple. Christ died for our sins and he rose from the dead. Do you or do you not believe that? Period. Didn't ask if you went to church, didn't ask if, you, if you've been baptized, didn't ask any of that stuff. I just want to know, do you understand that Christ died for your sins and what do you do with that? So we have to be clear because non-Christians often get the fact that Christ died, but miss the fact that Christ died for them. And we don't, we don't communicate this to them. Like Christ died, got it, check that off the list. I know it with my head, but when we look at this, we realize that they miss that Christ died in their place. When Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, okay, old president, when his body was brought from Washington to Illinois, it passed through a place called Albany and it was carried through the street. They say that a woman stood up on the curb. She lifted her little son as far as she could reach that little kid. She was an African-American woman above her head in the crowd. And it was heard to say to him, take a long look, honey. He died for you. It's clear. It's a clear presentation of somebody dying for somebody else. I mean, that was Abraham Lincoln's bent was to eliminate slavery. And so we look at this and we realize that there is a clear understanding. And she looks at the kid very clearly. She says, take a look. He died for you. He died so that you could have life and life to the fullest. And if we would be honest, 
We realize that that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've got to be clear because we're not clear all the time. Jesus dies a substitutionary death, okay, for us on the cross, and it must be presented with clarity to an unbelieving world. All the people that I've ministered to, all the people that I've shared the gospel with, it comes back to that one simple sentence, what do you do with Jesus Christ? I mean, that's just where we land. Where, what do you do with Jesus Eternal life starts when we trust Christ. It's a free gift that comes only through Jesus Christ because he's God's perfect sacrifice for our sins. Even if Jesus is a crazy lunatic, he has transformed the world. Lunatics don't do that. I mean, if somebody is completely out of their mind crazy, you don't go listening to him like we listen to this Jesus. I mean, educated and uneducated people have both all come back to the cross. And they say, this is a substitutionary death that somebody would die in our place. We have to be clear when we present it. So the gospel is delivered with clarity. There can be no mistake when one comes to trust Christ with something that's so awesome. So follow me, church. Mimic the New Testament authors when you speak the gospel. 1 Corinthians, Romans, James, Timothy, all these guys. What do you do with Jesus Christ? That Christ died for our sins. Now, if we would bounce back, go just a couple of books to the left. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Okay, it's right next to 1 Corinthians. Okay, look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Let's go to the, the next mistake. Don't put it up there yet. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. I promise you I'm there. Therefore, we have been justified by faith we have a peace with God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so Paul switches from the Corinthian church, he goes to the Roman church, and he says, we have, continuing on in the clarity thing, we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's the gospel. He's still communicating the gospel. Now, follow this. Don't ever assume that somebody knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. Don't assume it. Okay. Sat next to a guy last night. We were talking about life and just where he's from and, and where he's been. And he told me, and he probably shouldn't have, but he said, my dad was a pastor. Oh, tell me about that. What's that like? I have no idea. So he starts rolling into his dad was a pastor, an evangelical pastor. And I, I, I instantly thought, well, he knows the Lord. Surely you know the Lord because your dad knows the Lord. And what I found out really quickly was he had no idea who Jesus was. Now, watch this for a second, though. Not only did he have no idea who Jesus was, he knew the Bible like the back of his hand. I mean, he's listing off like Old Testament characters like Gideon and Noah and Abraham and all these other guys. I mean, he is, he is doom, 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 doom. Like he's got knowledge coming out of his ears and I just, what do you do about Jesus? Uh, well, but, but what do you do about this and all this other stuff and blah, 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 blah. blah, 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 blah. What are you doing about Jesus? That's what I want to know. I can't answer that question because when we get confronted with the cross, all of a sudden we're either softened to it or we're hardened to it. So don't ever assume that people know the gospel. Go up to anyone and ask, 
say, are you a Christian? And they will answer how they go, uh, where they go to church, where they were raised. Uh, they'll respond with the fact that they believe in God. Uh, all this other stuff kind of pops up, but very few people respond with the answer. I've been justified by faith, having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When do we answer? Can you imagine how awesome that would be to answer somebody's question with that? <laughs> hey, are you a Christian? <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. I have been justified by faith and I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and through him I have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Would you like to come to church with me? I mean, I've never answered that way, but man, that would look, you kind of know what you're talking about. Nope, the pastor told me to memorize this verse and I did it, okay? So we look at this and we realize that we don't answer that way. So if we expect somebody else to get it, we have to get it ourselves. The gospel means we admit that we're sinners, recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, God's son, place our trust in him alone to save us, not our good works, not our church membership, not our baptism. We trust in Christ alone. That's it. That's the gospel. That's what God is concerned about, that you would get it. Right? Not that you would assume like, oh, I'm I'm just hoping, but that you're placing your trust in Christ and Christ alone. My dad tells the story. I, I probably told you this already, but uh, he was sitting. Uh, dad came over. They just come to see the grandkids. I'm okay with that now. I've just kind of made terms with it. Um, and it is what it is. You know, they come over. I'm like, hey, and they're off. Yep, those are my kids. Good to see you too, mom and dad. I mean, that's just how they are. Um, and so they pass me by or whatever. But it's funny, my mom does that. And my, my dad, he will kind of be like, hey, Jordan, your mom's really excited to see the kids. And I'm like, yeah, no kidding. They're gone, you know, or whatever. So he comes and sits down next to me and we talk. And I said, dad, he always has fascinating stories about how people have come to know the gospel. And because uh, he substitute teaches and he loves teenagers. And uh, we're sitting and talking and he's rocking in his rocking chair. And you have to really watch dad because he falls asleep like in the middle of sentences. So you don't know if he's really listening to you or whatnot. But you know he's awake when he's talking, at least for the time being. And um, he's sitting over there and he's talking about this girl who he had who was a student um, in one of his classes and he's asked, he got into a conversation with her about the gospel. And he says to her, he says, it is by faith and faith alone that you trust Christ. This is Romans 5.1. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and walks through it. The girl didn't really necessarily accept the gospel there, but she heard what he had to say. Well, she ventures out and she finds him like two, three years down the road when she comes back to town. She says, Mr. Muck, speaking of which, Mr. Muck is my dad, not me. So please don't call me that. Okay. Um, And uh, she says, Mr. Muck, I got to talk to you. And he says, what? She said, we, she essentially married this guy. We were looking for a church and we went to this first church and we met the pastor and he was nice enough to come over to our house and sit down and talk to us. And he started in with this whole conversation about um, essentially like this is the gospel, but then he added to the gospel. And she's like, well, this guy that I know who's a pastor of a small church in Monmouth, Illinois says it's by faith and faith alone. There's nothing, there's nothing else there. So then she says, so obviously this church, isn't it? So, so then she goes to another church and it kind of progressively went that way for a while. And she comes back to him and she says, I think, it's, I, th- I think you're right. When I read the Bible, it's through Christ and Christ alone. See, everybody either adds or subtracts to the gospel, but it's, it, it is that simple. 
okay? And never assume that somebody knows the gospel. We're not, it's not obvious to trusting as we do it so often in our everyday life. Let me put it to you another way. You go to the doctor whose name you can't pronounce, who has degrees that you never verified. Have you ever walked into a doctor's office and looked up and you're like, is that really a college? I mean, I, I do that all the time, okay? And it takes faith. You, you talk to a pharmacist you've never even met. He or she gives you a chemical compound you don't understand to take medicine that you're completely trusting in faith that is going to help you. You go home, you take the pill according to the instructions on the bottle, all trusting in faith. You trust in faith every day. In, in people who are moral. And we look at it and we go, I don't know if I could trust Christ. You, you put your faith in stuff every day. Use those normal things when you're talking to people and never assume that they know the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is so simple, okay, when we communicate it to them. When we assume people know the gospel, we do a few things. First of all, we assume their knowledge about God puts them in the family of God, which is completely untrue. John chapter one, verse 12. He gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Belief. Trusting in Christ, belief is the only thing that puts us in the family of God. James chapter two. You believe that there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. So why do the demons and Satan go to hell? And I know that doesn't sit right with some of you guys. Why are they eternally separated with Christ forever and those who believe are offered or ushered into eternity with Christ? Why is there separation there? Belief. Because it's trusting in Christ alone. Two, don't assume they're trusting in Christ when ultimately they're trusting in Christ plus works. I, oh man, this happens to me all the time. I wish I could tell you story after story of how many people I've talked to and they're like, yes, but... Yes, but we have to do this. Yeah, yeah I, I, I see that, Jordan, that Christ died on the cross for my sin, and it says that it is finished, John chapter 19, but there's no, there's no buts there, okay? We have to understand that the gospel is being satisfied with Jesus' death and erection alone. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Number three, we assume that they have faith in Christ, but ultimately they only have faith in faith. What does it mean to have faith in faith? Faith in faith means that one is trusting in a set of beliefs established by a church, religious observations, rules, principles, conduct, instead of living lives based off conviction. Let me give you a great story of this. Last night I talked to this guy um, and uh, we got in, oh, man, we, we got into it. I mean, we just, like he was rolling on everything that the church did and does and observations and principles and conduct and all of these other things. And there was no, there was no conviction there based off of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we kept kind of going back to is what do you do with Jesus? What do you do with your, what do you, what do you do with the cross? I mean, that's, that's where we were living at. And he couldn't answer those questions because he just had faith in faith. And it was funny because he said, you men of faith, you just lump me in a ginormous category, brother, but whatever, go for it, okay? You men of faith, tell your congregation to have faith and all those people walk out the doors and blindly believe whatever it is that you tell them to believe. And I almost, I almost looked at him and I said, you should come to our church because these people question everything I do. <laughs> like I was, I was like, I don't know where you went to church, but if they need a pastor, like, 
wow, what a dream job. People just do whatever you tell them to do. What church is that? Like, it doesn't exist. And it was interesting because when we go to Christianity, okay, Christianity's the only faith that says you prove Jesus and the cross wrong. Go for it. Please, by all means, study. Please, by all means, seek. Please, by all means, question what I say on Sunday morning. See, because people don't understand the simplicity and they don't understand the clarity of the gospel that they desperately need. How difficult, like church, just let me ask you a question and ask the people who you are witnessing to, how difficult do you want God to make it? If eternal life is a free gift from God through Christ and Christ alone, how hard do you want God to make this process? Three, okay? If the second thing is, don't assume people know the gospel. Three partners with that. Don't assume that people are saved. This is a mistake that we make, okay? We got a couple of mistakes here that we're making when we're communicating to people who don't know the Lord. We assume that people are saved. The word Christian can mean many things. Sadly, little Christ no longer exists. It just doesn't exist. True disciples of Christ, as it once did in the biblical text, is gone, Go to the book of Acts, okay? So we're in 1 Corinthians, we're looking at Romans. Go back a little bit to the left, okay, to the book of Acts, chapter 11. Acts is the early work of the church. If we look at Acts, chapter 11, verse 26, follow me here. It says, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians because they're mimicking Jesus, okay? If we confuse terminology and we get that thrown around, terms like born again, know the Lord, saved are all terms that leave people puzzled with what it really means. Now, I wish, man, I wish I could show you the conversations I've had with people about this because what happens is, I've, I've stopped using this terminology with people. I've stopped looking at people and saying, hey, do you know the Lord? Are you saved? I go this route. I go, have you ever confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord? Well, that's a whole different ballgame. And instead of asking people if they want to come to church with me, the first thing I say is, have you ever confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord? Yes or no? If they say no, then we got to work on making that decision to trust Christ and Christ alone, okay, first and foremost. Then secondly, I tell them what church is. Church is a body of believers, Christians who gather to study this word together so that we can use it for ammunition, ammunition to take it to the world who doesn't know Jesus. And then what I'm realizing is that we spend a lot of time bickering about things that don't matter as a church and when we should be living in communities where we're seeing people who are directly in opposition to the gospel and giving them answers to the gospel that they so desperately need. And I mean, this bums me out. Like, I look at it and I go, oh my goodness, we're buried in so much politics, it just makes my head want to explode. And God's like, spend more time with people. You grow more in your relationship with Christ when you're actively participating and sharing the gospel than you do shoved in some corner. 
I mean, that's what evangelical churches in the book of Acts were all about. They didn't assume anybody was saved. They needed to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, so they went and asked them. And so what happens is all these people went out and they were like, you're trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Have you ever made a, a decision to believe in Jesus Christ? I mean, these people were adamant about it and the church grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. A.W. Tozer, who I named my dog after, weird, says that people were crucified with Christ had three different marks. This isn't on your notes, but you may want to write these down. One, they are facing only one direction. Three different distinct marks. One, of the Christian, they are facing one direction. Two, they never turn back. They don't waver. And three, they no longer have plans of their own. Like, I'm realizing this the more time I spend in the world. Like, I'm like, God, this is not really technically where I thought I would ever land in life. And you pointed me into a direction of honoring and serving you. And I can't turn back from that because if I did, I feel like I would be doing you a disservice. And my plans are now no longer in existence. They're your plans. To clarify if somebody has a relationship with Christ, I always ask two questions. If you were to die, do you know where you're going? Like, where, like answer it. Now, true evangelism is 90% listening and 10% talking. I just need to know. We were having a conversation last night about um, what, like, why it's easy for me to go and shake people's hands and, and get to know uh, people and, and make friends. Like, why is that easy for me? One is, I just don't care. <laughs> you know, I just, I, and two is I'm genuinely interested in people. Like that's really what I'm seeing is where we're dividing as Christians is we've lost our genuine interest in people. And I just, I just want to know. I mean, I talk to a doctor and I'm like, whoa, you're a doctor. How'd you, how'd you do that? I mean, and they see that I'm genuinely interested in them and what they're experiencing and what their, what their profession is. Or I'll go to like somebody who, um, who is maybe a pilot or somebody who, uh, a veterinarian. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like you guys are interesting people. You do some interesting things. I'm, I'm curious about what's going on in your life. And what I'm realizing is people don't really get asked that question a whole lot about what makes them them. And so before we know it, we're talking about spiritual things and how they got to those spiritual things. And the second question I ask, if, if you were to stand before Jesus Christ and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? I asked this to a question. I asked the same question to a guy uh, last week. And man, he just looked back at me. And he was like, what do you say to Jesus? What, what, do you, what do you say to Jesus? He's like, I don't even think I could talk. He has a belief in his head about who Jesus is, but no relationship in his heart. And that, I, just, I just hurt for him. Because I'm like, you can find answers to these questions. The answers to those two questions tell where people stand in their understanding of putting faith in Christ and Christ alone. Four. <clears throat> this is where I think we really split. Okay, let me kind of cook on these three for a second. I think this is where we really go wrong. And in, in church, this is why I'm sitting down this morning. I really want you to get this stuff because these are mistakes that we're all making here, okay? We believe in our heart that everybody is a difficult case. 
Like we genuinely, this is a mistake you make all the time. This is a mistake I make all the time. I believe that somebody is difficult. We believe everyone is difficult. If, if I were to go back, um, even a, a couple other books to Matthew chapter 10. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10 verse 14 tells me, it says, and I, I love this story. Um, We'll go back to verse five. These 12 Jesus sent out and instructed the 12, go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter into no town of the Samaritans. Jesus is sending out his disciples here. He's gonna teach them and he's gonna help them grow in their relationship with him by sending them out to talk to other people. Hey, Matthew 28 is coming alive here, okay? So he goes out, he says, go out, go to these towns, but rather go to, now watch this. Go to Matthew chapter 10, like experience what's happening here. Cause this is the same thing that happens in our everyday life as Christians. He says, go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter into no town of Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep. He doesn't say go to the church. He doesn't say go to the people that know Jesus, that know of me. He says, go to the house of Israel and proclaim as you go saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, Jesus is here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleans lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. He's just saying, open your mouth, tell of the things that you've been doing. Verse nine, acquire no gold, nor silver, nor copper, nor belts. And now uh, that'd be something that I would do, right? Like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cast out a demon. You owe me 50 bucks. Well, I mean, come on, if that's where I I would be. If Jesus gives me power to do some things, I'm charging for it. That's just me. Okay. No bag for your journey, no two tunics, no sandals, nor a staff for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. He says, live with these people for a second, figure out what they're, you know, kind of made of. And he says, go and, and kind of ask some questions and see where they stand with the King of Kings. 13, upon the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, in other words, if they reject it or if their hearts harden toward the message, let your peace return to you. 14, if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet. And when you leave that house or town, can you, ima- can you imagine, this cracks me up. Can you imagine like Paul and John, uh, let's, let's go Peter. Can you imagine like Paul and Peter standing here or, or let's just go James and John because Paul's not in the equation yet. Um, so all of a sudden, or Peter and John, okay, got to get my disciples right. And all of a sudden, um, you know, Peter's kind of like a loud mouth or whatever. And John's like, have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If, if Jesus were standing, I mean, can you imagine him asking these questions? And Peter's like, I dare you to say no. I dare you to say, like, he's like waiting for it. And they're like, nope, boom, shut the door, knock on the door again. Peter takes off his sandals. He's like, what up now? <laughs> I, I, this, this is how I think Peter operated, okay? I can't prove that with scripture, but oh my goodness, can you imagine? I could just see him being like, and John's like, seriously, grow up. And he's like, that's so cool when we get to do that. Um, so anyway, and I can see him running back to Jesus like, hey, how did it go? Oh man, Peter was annoying, okay? He says, truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day. That's how I read the Bible. It'll be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now watch, how does this apply to the mistakes we make? We believe that everybody is a difficult case when it's not necessarily true. See, we wish everyone we came in contact with would trust Jesus Christ. It's the whole goal. And there are some extremely difficult cases out there. Don't get me wrong. Some people who I've come in contact with, they don't want anything to do with it. I've had moments where people have threatened to physically harm me because of the, the belief that I've kind of given to them. I mean, it's just happened. People have gotten angry with me. That's why I carry weapons in the back of my car. Okay. Um, you think I'm lying? Um, 
But every case is not always that difficult. And we have to be honest, 99% of cases really aren't that tough. They're just not. The crazy thing about it, church, Christian, is Satan wants us to believe that every person outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ is hard to evangelize to. They're not. Satan wants us to believe that every person who we share our faith with is a waste of time. No way. When we meet a hard case, Jesus is pretty quick to tell us what to do. Watch this. Jesus says, Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, if you meet, if, if, big word there, if you meet a hard case, if anyone does not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. And so what the the passage tells us is, is essentially it's an action that nobody sees. So instead of doing this and making a clanging gong or a cymbal, Peter and the other disciples just shuffled their feet a little bit and walked out. That's it. It's just what, this is what they did. See that? In other words, don't be afraid. Church, get this, write this down. Don't be afraid to move on. I mean, some of you are so buried in getting somebody to know the gospel of Jesus Christ and you've been doing it forever. And you know what? Maybe God had you plant some seeds and it's time to roll to the next person. I know it's hard to give up on somebody and you're not giving up on somebody. You're not technically giving up on them. You're just saying, hey, Lord, this one's in your hands and now I need to go to the next one. So difficult. Don't say that person bothers me. Say that person sanctifies me or sets me apart even more. Are, are you tracking with me? Like there's some of you guys looking at you and go, ah, you don't know my mom. You don't know my dad. You don't know my kids. You don't know what, there's difficult cases out there for sure. But listen, when I go and talk to somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ, if they're difficult, I look at it and I chalk it up as I planted a seed and this is becoming something that is, that is taking me off the, the goal of what God wants me to do. And it's, it's okay to move on. It really is. All right. In all reality, hard cases are really, really rare and most people are extremely open. Most people will have a conversation with you. Remember a few things when Satan wants you to believe all people are a challenge, okay? Let me just give you a couple of them. First thing, be obedient. Your job is to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not to sit there and look at it and continue to just, you know, barrel on them and and whatever. I mean, if you've communicated the gospel and you've gotten there, move along, okay? This is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. Two, be determined. Don't grow weary in doing good. Galatians tells us, for in due season we will reap. We don't give up. And value the experience. Every difficult case has shown me something about sharing my faith, about walking in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Every difficult case, and, and there's so few. I mean, they really are. There's so few has shown me that I should value that experience and I should move on. So um, I need to be obedient to Jesus Christ. I need to be determined to do what he wants me to do. And I need to value the experiences. Two more, okay? Another mistake we make, we bank on successes and failures, okay? Follow me here. We bank on successes and failures. What am I talking about when I say that? As we have said before, every time we share our faith, we either gain, ex- we gain experience and experience is critical, okay? However, with every experience, we often gauge our time with people as a success or failure. That's just natural for us. We do this, okay? You s- stop looking at people as successes and failures. Look at them as people, 
Okay, you have compassion for this person. You love this person. You want to see this person come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's, that's great, but just love them. Don't see them as a success and failure because if you see them that way, they're going to see themselves as that way. All right, so we look at this and we realize that people are not statistics for you when you get to heaven. They're just not. Like that, that grinds me. Somebody sat and asked Billy Graham, how many people have you led to the Lord? And he looked at him and he says, I, I, don't, I don't know, none. And they're like, none? You didn't lead anybody to the Lord? He says, no, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that saves a person. I have nothing to do with it. I'm just a conduit for Jesus Christ. None? I mean, he doesn't see people as statistics. He sees people as people. And so we look at this and we realize we can't, we can't put people as statistics in our little, like, like there's, no, there's no statistics. The only statistics I keep are people who I marry and bury. That's it. They're in the front of my Bible. I mean, that's, that's the only thing I keep. Like, because the people I marry, I want to pray for them. And the people I bury, I want to pray for their families. You don't see people as statistics. Okay? So, a few things to understand when you're gaining experience, having compassion and love for the people. First of all, God is responsible for the results. You're not. Okay? John six forty four. no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 5 through 7, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. So God is responsible first and foremost for the results. Secondly, God is the one who is always and always will be, thank the Lord, in control of every situation. So we look at this and it says, John 4, one sows, another reaps, but God is always in control. We are to simply put on love, have compassion, mercy, and grace for people as we care for them as God's creation. Now, church, if you would have compassion and love for people and see yourselves as kind of Johnny Appleseed throwing seeds out, you know what I mean? Then you would realize that as a church, we are operating to pick up each other's slack in this area. When I get into a conversation with somebody and it doesn't land in the direction where they're going to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior right here, I'm banking that some other Christian is right behind him going, hey, I saw that you were talking to Jordan. I guarantee you he was talking to you about Jesus. And if they're like, no, you go, oh, that makes sense. He probably went off on some crazy tangent again. So here's the deal. How about I tell you about Jesus and I'm going to show you where he missed. You, are, you, are you getting that? Like that's where we come in handy as a church. Some of us live in Lakeville. Pick up the slack for people in Lakeville. Some of us live in Bremen. Some of us live in Napanee. Some of us live in Wyatt. Some of us live uh, in all of these towns. Okay, we could continue to like kind of pick apart all these towns. Do the work. Do the work that somebody else is doing. I've said this a million times and I think it's so true. You are an answer to somebody else's prayer request. And I, I mean, I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Some lady is standing, checking out your groceries and she's thinking and contemplating about life and she's thinking and contemplating about the gospel while she scans your food. And meanwhile, her mom way back over here, maybe in some other state is praying, dear Lord, let somebody be bold in communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ to my daughter. Help somebody to give her love and mercy and grace. Would you please do that? And all of a sudden we look at it and go, She's just a checkout lady at the grocery store. She's a person. And our job as Christians is to put on 
love. And let me tell you something, I'm as guilty as you are because I'm like, my kids are screaming, I gotta go, my daughter's on the Meyer horse right now, there's, no, there's nothing going on. Like, I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, you know, like, I, I, God, I don't have time for this right now. And he's like, I make time for you every single day. Please, Lord, send somebody in the church right now who works in the nursery to take care of Kareen, who is on the horse, so I can tell this lady about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't pray that way. We we just, we don't pray that way. Maybe we should. Okay. The secret to success, John Rockefeller said, is to do the common things uncommonly well. I love that quote. We all mess up and some of us hit the ball out of the park and some of us don't. But each time we share our faith holds a new opportunity to learn about God's creation and how to continue to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we will do the learning, God will do the teaching. If we'll do the learning, God will do the teaching. Wouldn't it be amazing? Man, wouldn't it be amazing this lady's checking out groceries or whatever? And you're like, hey, do you know? And then you go through and the next person's from our church, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the next person's our church, he saved you. I mean, wouldn't that be hilarious? You'd be like, what happened here? Like, that's the weirdest ministry a church has ever put in place. I feel so bad for the Meyer workers today. If you guys are going checking out your groceries, you'd be like, my pastor said that I'm supposed to love you with compassion and grace. Like, you know? I've told you the story before, but I'll never forget when I parked at a parking garage in Memorial Hospital, I come down and all of a sudden I'm, uh, I'm at there and I'll give you the condensed version. And I give the lady, you know, I, I tell her I'm a pastor. And she's like, yeah, right, honey, whatever. And uh, I'm like, no, seriously, I am. And she looks back at me and I said, do you, essentially what I told her was, do you know the gospel? And she looked back at me, she picked out a book and she's like, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me, sweetheart. And they're like cars backing up behind her. And she starts like telling me the gospel. Like she's telling me what what's going on, okay? Don't be surprised when somebody else communicates the gospel back to you because maybe you need to hear the gospel which you have received in order to get through your day. That's the church, right? I mean, it's awesome when somebody looks at me and says, hey, you're trying to communicate Jesus to me. Let me tell you what Jesus means to you too as well, okay? I love finding that commonality between um, Christians. You know the fish? You know the Christian fish? You know, they used to uh, bend down in the sand and one of them would draw half of it. And if the person was a Christian, they'd draw the other half and then they'd be like, hey, we got something in common. Like that's what the church is supposed to be about. That's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to find the commonality, which is Jesus Christ and base all of our relationships off that gospel, which we have received, <clears throat> okay? Be obedient, do the learning, let God do the teaching. Six, last thing, and this, uh, I've talked to you guys about this a hundred times, but we keep coming back to it for some reason. We, we think we have to know it all. I mean, we do like, th- this is the biggest thing that I'm getting from you guys on why you don't share your faith is because you think you, know, you have to know all the answers. Well, first and foremost, so often we're afraid to share our faith because we won't be able to answer people's questions, arguments, objections, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. What we fail to realize is that many biblical authors struggled with the same situation. Paul and Corinth, okay? Corinth was filled with intellectual philosophers and Pharisees, which mean they probably had the whole Old Testament memorized, okay? Many of which had, um, had still lacked a relationship with Jesus and Jesus essentially sends Paul there, okay? And what Paul did is constantly just point people back to the gospel, which you heard at the very start of this message. First Corinthians chapter two, 
I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul wanted God to do the heavy lifting. He says, we can get in debates and endless genealogy conversations later down the road, but for right now, I want to know if you know the gospel, okay? Uh, Larry Moyer in in the book, um, How to Share Your Faith, and he's coming here, okay? Larry's going to actually come... uh, Here's kind of how this works. Uh, we're going to baptize a bunch of people on Easter, and then we're going to take two weeks continuing this Testify series. My dad's going to pop in, and he's going to preach on Mother's Day. Um, and then, and some of you guys are like, thank the Lord. Um, and then uh, Larry Moyer's going to come right after him, and he's going to finish up our Testify series. And I can't think of a better way to do that. He's going to have a morning session. I want you to come back, and he's going to have an evening session for us to follow. Okay, Larry says this. He says, an argument can be answered with an argument. Logic can be answered with logic. Persuasion can be responded with persuasion. But in order for conviction to occur, in order for faith to be real, God has to take the truth of the gospel, drive it home to a lost person's heart and cause him or her to come to Jesus in faith. He has to do the heavy lifting. One thing we always forget is that the one person who brings the most people to Jesus Christ. Track with me here, church. And Jonathan's gonna come up and we're gonna sing a couple songs. The one person who always brings the most people to Jesus Christ. You know who it is? Brand new Christians. Why? Brand new Christians bring more people to Jesus Christ than anybody else because they're so excited with the gift that they have received. What happens with us mature Christians or us that have had Jesus for a long time is we've just kind of taken him and put him in ourselves. And we've just said, he's my my Jesus, right? And so new Christians are so excited to share their relationship with Jesus Christ that it's compelled them to share that gospel with everybody that they come in contact with, okay? They're not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 1. They could care less about how much they know or don't know because the only thing they do know for sure is the gospel gives them eternity in, with Jesus Christ and Christ alone. The issue is of the heart. It's not of the head that makes the difference. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all this big, huge knowledge base to answer people's questions because let's just be serious. You can't even answer all your own questions. But the only thing you know is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. The issue is of the heart. Where's your heart? Passion breeds communication and communication breeds maturity. If you haven't shared your faith this week, I dare you to do it. I I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you. Go for it. Okay. I mean, throw the ball and, and it's not, okay, church, last thing. It's not how many people are you going to bring to a relationship with Jesus Christ this year? That's off. That's a statistic. How many people have you shared your faith with? How many people will you share your faith with this year. Write that down at the bottom of your slip. How many people will I share my faith with this year? I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm just, I'm just wondering. When will you stop concealing and start communicating the gift that is so great? Five, six common mistakes you make in sharing your faith. One, forget that clarity is king. Two, you assume people know the gospel. Three, we assume people are saved. 
Four, we believe everyone's a difficult case, not true. Five, we bank on successes and failures, also known as statistics. And six, we think that we have to know it all. What an awesome passage of scripture. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, so many people have come just across my path in in the recent um, weeks and, and so many people who don't know you as Lord and Savior. God, I pray specifically for those people, the people who I've met, the people who I've talked to. Uh, you know every single one of them by name. You know each and every single one of them and their greatest need is the fact that they need the gospel. And Lord, all of us in this congregation have people who we know by name that don't know you as Lord and Savior. And we understand that we have work to do and we need to communicate. And you want us to open up our mouths and you want us to be clear about that, that simple passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So God, help us, really help us to stop making some of these mistakes. Help us to be clear in our delivery of the gospel. Help us to not assume that people know you as Lord and Savior. Help us to not assume that people are quote unquote saved. Help us to believe that people will be softened when we communicate the gospel to them, whether that's our our husbands or our wives or our children or our family members or people who are close to us or or our workplace relationships, anything, God, that that is there. Help us not be intimidated by those people, Lord Jesus. Let us not bank on successes or failures. We don't want to do that, Lord Jesus. We want to, we want to look at people with the same love and compassion that you looked at them on. And God, help us ultimately uh, really know that the only thing we, we, we need to be cemented in is the gospel. That's it. Because all of our understanding of you comes out of that foundation. So when we study our Bible, when we spend time in prayer, when we spend time here as a church, help us to take what we have learned and put it into our everyday life context. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.